0: Welcome to the Lila Joe Show. I'm Lila. I'm a competitive ice dancer and a psychology student. I'm also really curious about people and the fascinating stories that we all have to tell. Thank you so much for being here, and today, please welcome my guest to share their story. Today's storyteller is Mikael Kingsbury. Mick is the most dominant male mogul skier in history. He is the 2018 Olympic champion, the six-time world champion, nine-time World Cup tour champion, and he's built up quite the collection of crystal globes, 18 and counting. Mick is a trailblazer, a record breaker, an unstoppable force in the sport of skiing, but he's also the guy who's having the most fun out there. So, today, please welcome to the Lila Joe Show, Mikael Kingsbury. Mick, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy you're here. Like I told you before, it's my first in person interview in two years. That's awesome. So, great experience. Yeah. And I think you're going to like this because we met in the gym. Yeah. And my interviews are structured like workouts. Sweet. So we start off with a warm up, yeah. then longer period of high intensity questions, okay. and then we're gonna cool down so you're not too tired for the week of training. That's perfect. And I like it. Foam rollers, just in case we need them. Yeah, in so case for my see, back, my back so is a little. If we do like a back crack uh, yeah. after, <laughs> so just some quick fire, get the blood pumping. Perfect. Let's go. What is your favorite karaoke song?
1: Oh my god, karaoke song. I don't know. It's a very, it's a very good question. I guess anything. Yeah, I like the Beatles. It oh, does, like, good choice. Yeah. You
0: can't go wrong. If you could ski anywhere in the world tomorrow, where would you go?
1: Uh, tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Um, probably Japan. If I could go tomorrow. There's no snow there right now. at Switzerland. Never we can make wild. snow for you. Yeah, okay. It would just magically right. have snow. Yeah, I would Japan. love to go to Japan because I love sushi and yeah. Best Skiing sushi. is good. Love it. Good fans.
0: I know that you play video games to take your mind off of competitions. Yeah. If you could be any video game character, who would you be?
1: uh i love those questions there are two like i play sports games so it's kind of like i would be like like, yeah i don't know Mm. lewis hamilton i I, I play a lot of f1 so that's fun i think that's a good choice
0: (laughs) what is your favorite way to spend time with your niece florence i
1: don't know i have a trampoline at home it's Mm. kind of fun to bounce with her and show her little tricks um i like you know playing whatever she wants to play like she likes uh playing in the kitchen, like a fake kitchen. Oh, cute. And then she, she does me food and I eat and I order food. Oh,
0: yeah. that I, I loved to do that when yeah. I was little. Yeah. I took it so seriously. <laughs> so speaking of being in the kitchen, I've heard that you've become a very good cook. Uh, so I'll try. <laughs> what's your favorite thing to make if you're hosting dinner
1: guests? Um, I guess I've become very good with the barbecue or whatever mm. meat. So nice. um, I cook very well meat for the people that love meat. Yeah, uh, so like
0: a killer steak?
1: Yeah, I yeah, I think I do a very good like steak, like rare and perfect. And I think that's
0: a talent.
1: Yeah, maybe it's a talent. Well, I feel... The people say I cook very well, so I mean, I don't know. I cook the way I like it, and uh, yeah. Otherwise, I make a pretty good spaghetti, and Ooh. I just try to do... like uh, I'm getting more and more experience in the kitchen, so yeah.
0: So you listen to everything from classical music to Metallica when you're yeah, preparing yeah. for an event. If you had to compare your skiing style to a song, or a musician's work, who would you choose?
1: Wow, that's a very good. I should have kept you with that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good one. I mean, yeah, I like listening to you know classical music. It depends on my mood. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very of a mood guy, and sometimes I need something to like wake me up or boost Mm -hmm. me. And like, I like Metallica. I, I think I listen to everything, every type of whatever music if it's good in my ear and it helps my mood yeah then I like it so I don't know I would be if I'm in classic music I like uh, Mozart um, and
0: you ski like Mozart do you think well I
1: mean he's probably the best pianist of all time so so
0: that, I, mean, I mean I mean I it's
1: it would be awesome to be able to ski like he was playing but there there's not one song that represents me because every event is different right. and my mood is different so I'm like a lot of stuff a lot of types. So you're music. a
0: big playlist. I'm a. i am have a big. Like if
1: you song. change song in my phone, it's kind of weird. You go like from my classical music to like heavy metal to like whatever Drake, Travis Scott. Love it. And then, Everything. and then it goes for like yeah whatever a, a song like whatever Taylor Swift. I'm, okay, <laughs> yeah. love story or yeah. something.
0: <laughs> okay, so our warm ups done. How do you okay. feel?
1: I feel warm. You ready to go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, I'm going to start with your childhood, because I love to take it back to understand your foundation and kind of why you are the way that you are. So, you started skiing when you were four, yeah. from a family of skiers. What is one of your favorite memories with your mom in the long car rides to ski in Quebec City?
1: Uh, favorite memories? I don't know. I, th- I think it was just fun. Like She used to come and get me at school, and like the van was all packed with ski gear, and we would just leave, and listen to music and, Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah. I think For Taylor sure. Swift wasn't around back in the days, but <laughs> uh, I don't know what we were listening to, maybe the Bass Street Boys or something. Love it. <laughs> um yeah, I was pretty young it was no just very fun to drive with the family. Like I had my little sister, and my older brother, mm-hmm. my mom, we were going like to a hotel it was like a very a family thing and stopping by eating like food and the drive thru yeah, and eating in the, the car best. and yeah, it was just like nice weekend getaway, and uh, yeah, we would miss a day at school, so it made it even better. Cause the competition, we're always on the Saturday and Sunday, but okay. the practice weren't Friday, so we'd leave like skip Thursday. School. Yeah, it's skip too school. Bad.
0: Yeah. What do you admire most about your dad? What
1: well, I admire most, I think it's, um, you know, he worked very hard to get where he's at as a chiropractor. Mm. Doesn't he comes of of a family of eight children, so, I mean, yeah. farmers, and they had, you know, enough money to, you know, live, but not come from a lot of money, and he decided to go study, you know, outside of the of Montreal area, went to Toronto, and mm-hmm. it was, back in the days, it was a lot of money, and was able to do all, uh, you know, his dream, whatever, work, and work very hard, and what I admire is, uh, yeah, he gave me the opportunity to live my dream, and mm-hmm. never put pressure on me, just yeah. helping supporting. me and supporting
0: I love that so you learned a lot about winning and losing by being the younger brother how did your relationship with your older brother prepare you to be a champion
1: Uh, my relationship with my older brother I mean I don't know if you have an older brother older sister you know like for me me and my brother were kind of close We're almost two years apart Mm -hmm. 19 months and you know we always been a bit bigger and taller you know especially when you're young and Mm -hmm. We both love sports, so we always played together. And my brother, you know, I was losing a lot. And he was like, he's super competitive, like even more than me. So yeah, I learned at a very young age, if I wanted to win, I had to work harder. And uh, yeah, he's probably the guy that i lost the most in my entire life. (laughs) But like every win that I had, any board game, sports, I had to work harder. And I think that helped me for my career. It's like, yeah, no win comes easy.
0: Yeah, you have to work hard if you want to. Yeah, it. yeah, I, I could go, it.
1: yeah, uh, like a month with just losing everything I do because it was like when you're like eight and your brother's like ten, he's just a bit smarter, he's quicker, he's a bit bigger, he's yeah. stronger than you, so you know you lose at everything. But the wins after that gets even better.
0: Yeah, and you learn how to win. Yeah, too. exactly. I love that. It's so interesting. And you learn how
1: to lose because you lose all the time. So yeah, it's you. normal. Yeah, yeah. So
0: any win is just like awesome after that. Now I want to talk about the power of role models because you grew up skiing on the same slopes as Alex Bilodeau and yeah. um, J.L. Brassard yeah, yeah. and they were role models for you right and it's really common to imitate your role models and idols so how did you imitate J.L. Al and Alex in a way that helped you succeed in your own career?
1: Well Jean-Luc and Alex yeah we're from the same ski area they both won the Olympics and it's cool like when i grew up to have the chance to have like champions and like idols mm-hmm. that were easy to connect with and ask questions go up in the chair with them it was like the best skiers in the world were accessible mm-hmm. and a lot of the time in sport you feel like the best ones are you know how would i meet uh, you know sydney crosby or whatever if you're a kid you know it's mm-hmm. pretty much impossible so i had the chance to do that and yeah i'm a very visual guy and i love watching videos and i had a lot of videos or my dad would go and film them when they were training back home i would watch their video and just try to you know jump like alex alex was like the best jumper when i was a kid so i was like i want to do my jump like him and i was watching a lot of video of, of his takeoff and trying to mimic that and jean luc was just the super finest skiing like he's much older i mean when he won the olympic it was in 94 I was two years old. So oh, uh, just a little bit. Yeah older. <laughs> so, Yeah. So uh, I never really watched him win, but I watch all the videos and he's just an amazing Smoothest one of the smoothest skier of, of all time. So uh, yeah, I try to copy them often yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah, like a
0: combination of the jumping and and the smooth. Yeah, skiing. exactly
1: And I like yeah to great role model for skiing and outside of skiing too. So
0: That's awesome to just be exposed to your idols on the slopes. It's so rare and yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're gonna take it back. You're 10 years old. You're watching the 2002 Olympics. Yeah. You watch all the events, then you watch the moguls. You stand up and go to the computer. What happens next?
1: Yeah. So when I watched the 2002 Olympics, uh, it's like the first time I watched the best mogul skier in the world, like competing at the Olympics and and uh, yeah I uh, when I watched Yanni Ladala win uh, the Olympics I was like this is so cool I want to do that yeah I went to the family computers back in the day I print the Olympic ring and I wrote I will win um, with a nice mistake because I was like 10 years old (laughs) no one asked me or told me to do that put it just above my bed so I was like yeah when I'm gonna go to bed and when I'm gonna wake up you know I'm gonna that's the thing I'm gonna see I'm gonna work hard to do it it's kind of crazy that a little 10 years old did that and uh yeah yeah the dream really started from there and yeah i had the dream uh every night of you know when i was a kid i could look at it and it's still at my parents place it's still there i I love it yeah that's so
0: that's crazy like you said that a 10 year old had the initiative to do that and why do you think you were able to make such a confident statement at 10 years old
1: i don't know i was the kind of kid like I was always hearing like my friends or other skiers that I one day I want to ski in the World Cup or go to the Olympics and I thought it was, yeah, it's big achievement if you make that. But for me, it was just, I wanted to win the Olympics. I saw myself not skiing World Cups, but like having the yellow bib of like World Cup leader, winning yeah. medals, having tr- Crystal Globe, not just one, like a few. And then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just, I always been like that it's like when I was a kid I was playing baseball and I saw myself not only playing also I was like I'm gonna be the best baseball player you know in the league and I just always you know been kind of like that in my head because I always saw myself like what's the top you can reach I wanna you know I wanna be that guy and not I don't want just to show up even though showing up is a huge achievement Mm -hmm. but I think I never said it loud when I was a kid but in my head I was like this is what I want to do. I want to win.
0: <laughs> right. I think, why not? And yeah. I think it's common for 10-year-olds to watch the Olympics and think, I want to go. I want to be there. And it's fun to say and to fantasize about. Mm-hmm. But what about you was different in the way that you could stay committed to a single dream and work for it as your plan A, B, and C in life?
1: Yeah. That was the only plan I guess yeah. that the plan a was the plan that I was gonna do and I was gonna make it work at some point you know you never know you you have some doubts and you know it's not easy my career wasn't like easy like ah it's just like straight to the top I mean it can look like that if you look at the results but it's been a fun ride I you know that's the thing I love the most to do is ski and mm. so for me it's easy to wake up in the morning and over the years I started to enjoy like the process of going to the gym and See the change and see in my skiing and working with all the team people, and my my um, mental trainer, and trying to find ways so I can be more consistent, better and better, and right. and uh, yeah, I always stayed committed. So that's why when I won the Olympic, it was just like the feeling is like undescribable because I've dreamt of that day like so many times. Yeah, that when it was happening, it was like okay, it's real. Like I. I did it but like i was almost like am i dreaming no i'm not dreaming it's like like i can like touch can myself it's mouth. like yeah i yeah it's yeah it's just unbelievable like seeing your name and like the little one and then the, the competition is over and i was still looking at the board to make sure like Am I, like, gonna go, like, finish second or third or whatever? That's oh, why
0: it's a dream, and then when it's the same as reality, yeah. it just doesn't feel right, Yeah, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. And
0: how is it different? So waking up and seeing that poster on your ceiling every day, if that wasn't there, if it was just a white ceiling, how would you have behaved differently?
1: I don't know. I, I mean, every time I was looking at it, there was, like, I knew it meant a lot to me, and... uh yeah, I guess it helped me or days that, you know, I don't want to go to school or, you know, I have a lot of exams, I got to study and, you know, you're a little bit nervous or you have a competition that mm-hmm. stress you, you're not skiing well, just looking at that motivate me to be better even at school. Because oh. What I wanted is my parents to never tell me like, you can't miss this Friday because your grade has been super bad at school because for them that was, you know, priority was you get good grades at school and then you can go ski or you finish all your homework, then you can go ski. Right. So for me, this was like finishing all my stuff so I can ski. And I didn't want my parents to be like, "No, today, you're not going skiing because you got to finish this, this and this and this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think Motivating. that helped me yeah, motivation and, and yeah, helped me dream, you know, you go to bed and you look at this or whatever. Yeah, it's like um, a lot of kids my age, when we were young, it's like a, I nailed in my head what I wanted to do in the future and my plan was like this is what I want to do and you add friends like yeah I want to play hockey and maybe be like a, a police or, or a, a firefighter and then maybe I'm gonna be a you know I don't know a dentist or this and, and then they, they, they kind of figure it out like whatever at 25 and that's okay but like I think for me yeah it, it was kind of cool that I had like I already knew what I wanted to do, and I think that helped not having other distractions. Yeah,
0: single focus, that's great. So before you could make it to the Games, you launched into the World Cup circuit, which gave you a lot of experience, and I'd love to talk about your first World Cup in 2010, and it was a disappointment, but instead of crying in your hotel room, you used your athlete's pass to watch the event from the top, instead of with the audience down below. So what did you see up there? that changed your approach to competition and helped you dominate moving forwards?
1: Yeah, that was probably my, yeah, I'll use that uh, like the unlock moment of my career. Yeah. Like the- The, the it, pivot? It, yeah, the pivot point where it kinda shoot me to the next level. I was already pretty good at, you know, mogul skiing, like to make it to the World Cup at 17, not many athletes do that, especially in when you're Canadian, we have probably the strongest team in the world, especially back then Mm. it was right before the 2010 Olympics so it's pretty special to get there and my chance to qualify for Vancouver Olympic were there but they were like super tiny and I always believe you give me a little crack of chance I always gonna believe until the end that I can make it so I was like yeah I can there's a possibility so but I need to like I need to send and you know do a statement on my first World Cup but maybe I got too excited because I was like First competition with like actual like big cameras and TV and you know the big things. Yeah, and for me, I think at that moment I didn't know how to react. I remember being in the star game pretty much looking at the camera, and being like, "Wow, this is cool." <laughs> but then, um, yeah, I think it wasn't the yeah the right way to to compete. So yeah, I crashed both days. Okay. And the second day, when I crashed, I was like, I have an athlete pass, so I can go to the top of the course. That's the first time in my life I have the opportunity to, to go there and watch all the best gears in the world are doing, how they are warming up like prior to their run, what are they doing? And yeah, I decided instead of watching the event and watching the show from the bottom, like the crowd and everyone, mm-hmm. I went to the top and yeah, took a chair and watched like my idols and the, the best skiers, like how they were doing. And yeah, I understood some stuff that I was not doing like one of my favorite skier was Australian, Delbeck Smith, and then he was the Olympic champion of 2006. And the guy was just so much aware of the competition. Okay. And it's not for everyone to do that. I mean, and for me, it worked because it's kind of like the way I like to do it. And that's what I copied the most out of him and brought it to my competition mm-hmm. in the future. Is the guy, we have like TVs at the top, and he was watching the others, not like watching if they were doing bad or great, but he, he was watching like the, the tricky part of the course and he was kind of looking like, okay, he did a mistake there. So the course has definitely changed. And the way he was talking, I could see what this coach was just, the guy was just so aware of the time and the score and he knew what to do when he was in the stargate. Instead mm-hmm. of other athletes, I see they were listening to their music. They were doing a very good warm up, And then they were getting in the gate and they were like executing the plan. But what I like about Dale is he won that day because if he was just not aware of the competition, he he wouldn't win because there was a guy that skied super fast, so Dale just went even faster. And yeah, I think that's what I used after watching that event from the top. And when I went to, got dropped to the Noram tour, which is, uh, yeah. Is that the, the next event? Yeah, no, the Noram tour is the, the, the tour under World Cup. Okay. So I didn't go to the next event because my results were not good Oh, enough. okay, I see. Yeah, so I got like dropped down. And when I got dropped down to the Noram tour, that was like very good, actually, because I was a contender to win the, the, the tour. And I won the tour that year. And right after that event, I won three races in a row. Pretty much podium every event on the Noram tour. And then I got called back up for finishing the season in World Cup. Nice. And it was like kind of like the best... The best mistake of my life was actually to not do well at that event because it kind of set me yeah i kind of changed the perspective i was doing in competition of like how do i prepare and how do i attack a competition Mm
0: -hmm. so what's the balance between looking at your competitors and taking it all in and having that really broad focus and also being able to make it narrow and focus on personal cues
1: i think like for me, I take information from the others, okay. like I said, I'm very visual, so I, with the experience, I got very good at just hearing the noise of the, the skiers in front of me when they're going, or just seeing the, the way their ski react to the snow, because the snow changes a lot with day event, night event, okay. I listen to their time, I know all my time, so I know, okay, he's fast, sorry, he's slow, okay. it, it, it can be. it can feel like pretty hard because you're putting like so much information, but for me, it's like, I know exactly what I need to do if I want to win. If I don't know, I would feel terrible to break at the bottom. And like, if you would have pushed a half a second, you would have won. Mm. But I didn't know. So I just, you know, so. And then after that, just yeah, try to narrow everything. And I focus on, on my run, not the others. Like, okay, now I know that the leader skied in 25 seconds. And that is scored whatever, 85. I know I can ski in 25 seconds. And I know my tricks are harder, so whatever. I don't need to be f- much faster than him. I just need to keep it clean. Then I just focus on what I need to do for me is like absorb fast, keep your hips forward, a little cue on my like double full, like drift ride. Yeah, I just come back to the top and I'm having fun. So it makes it enjoyable. For me being nervous, like a drug, like the, mm-hmm. the, the pressure of whatever the event, like going glass. And this is for me, it's, it's like a drug. Like I miss it during the summer and I think I get very good at exactly knowing what I need to do while watching my competitors and taking the information that I need and put it like pretty much positive in my head and yeah, narrow it to whatever, a few cute things that I want to do Mm -hmm. and then just do my thing, stay in the present moment. I don't think about winning when I am at the top. and I know what I need to do to win Okay. And I just focus on the job. Like the job to do, like the right now, the, the process. I
0: love it. that. So with that with that approach, do you have something that you say to yourself before pushing out of the start gate?
1: You got this. Yeah. I say that to myself, or come on, me. I talk to myself, but yeah.
0: Yeah, self talk.
1: Um. Yeah, self talk. And I made like my Olympic ring here, and it's in, so yeah. Uh, so it's in,
0: a ring with. Yes, yeah, so Olympic like, champion. Yeah, yeah. I have one of those too,
1: actually. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. And inside, I don't know if you can see it, but it's my score and what I said before. We I... got,
0: oh my gosh, we got this. Okay, I have to take a photo of this yeah, after. Yeah. I love that. So, what does this ring mean for you when it's on your, your finger every day?
1: Um, I don't wear it every day, but sometimes. I mean, uh, I always wanted a championship ring, you know? Yeah. It's like sports or whatever. And I, so like, cool. I always told myself, only if I win the Olympic I do one and uh, yeah I met the right guy at the right moment this is made out of the pretty much the mole of the of the the ring of the Montreal Canadiens when oh. they won in 93 so it's kind of you know it's special and I kind of had to design it too with the guy there so it's pretty cool no, it's I mean, beautiful. It's imp- yeah it's, it's a, so meaningful as yeah well. it's a lot of yeah it's meaningful and I I did one to my coach too so we're you know, it's like a team thing. But that meant a lot. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, So your Olympic dream was in full force when you went to your first Olympics in Sochi, and I'm wondering because you dreamed about the games for so long, what were you expecting going into the games?
1: <laughs> uh, I expected to win. Really? <laughs> no, 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 not really. Actually, like, yeah, but yeah. Maybe. It was just like I was kind of like a kid at Walt Disney when I landed in Sochi. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy finally wearing like the, the HBC Canadian clothes and yeah I mean I watched the Olympic on TV all my life so to actually like be like I'm an Olympian like wow. I remember talking like to myself in my head and saying like okay man you made it there like it's okay if it like doesn't go as well as you want to I mean you're there it's your first one it's mm. it's awesome like enjoy it and yeah but at the same time once I put my skis on and my helmet it's like my superhero suit so Mm. once i started skiing i had like amazing training so i was like i can actually win the olympics it's possible and yeah contest day at the olympic we trained on minus 12 weather so it's like super hard pack and perfect the way i like east coast skiing okay in sochi and then the day of the event it was like 15 degrees outside so, it got, like, super slouchy. Ooh. And this is not my strength, okay. I'd say. it's I'm way better now than I used to be. And it got me... Yeah, it got me good. The weather, I was, like... Oh, if it was, like, yesterday, I think no one can catch me. And mm. that, like, made me super nervous and ended up second, which was... Horrible. It, horrible, <laughs> yeah. No, it was, like, the, <laughs> yeah. for me, like, like I said back then, I was... 20, 21 years old I was like I mean it was awesome to have a medal, metal go on the podium get you yeah. know never had that much media attention in one day like it was yeah as uh, I remember stepping on the podium I was with Bilodeau and we heard the Canadian anthem and remember like looking to my left and seeing that you know those three little steps that were getting you on the top of the podium I was like I remember saying like in four years the only thing I want, and I will train hard just to get it one more step.
0: I have goosebumps.
1: Yeah, oh. so I was like, yeah, "Yeah, it's it was awesome."
0: You were hungry in that moment for gold.
1: Yeah, I was. I was super happy, but super hungry. I was like looking at Alex. No jealousy. But I was like, it's like my medal is awesome, but it's I want. I want that one so bad now. Yeah. Like I'll enjoy that one as much as I can, but as soon as we leave Sochi then it's on for this one, Oh yeah. the on start now and yeah, it's kind of, yeah. And cool.
0: looking up at the the poster in your ceiling, it's a distant dream, but you're standing next to the gold medal. How close can you get? Right? You're oh yeah, I know. So yeah. Close. You're there.
1: You're like, and you know, the guy, I mean, you know the, the guy's almost my neighbor. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs>
0: and did you get any advice from any other winter athletes in Sochi? I know there was a team Canada group WhatsApp. Yeah. Chat, did you get any advice that helped you with your first Olympics?
1: I think back then I was really, especially when I was 21, mm-hmm. I wanted to do my own thing and uh, okay. I, don't, I don't even know about the group chat. Like okay. I probably wasn't. You did it. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even have back in the days like a mental trainer. I was like, okay. this is my strength. I don't need someone to tell me, you know, what are my weaknesses or whatever. Ah. But then my mentality changed right after. So I was tell like, me about that. So, I, yes, there was a lot of athletes that gave me advice, like uh, Johnny Basal and Bido And I think the advice was super simple, like to you know, to not get impressed by everything and to do my job like I do in any World Cup. Mm-hmm. But the Olympics are so different. It's hard to do that. But then, yeah, as soon as I got home and the season was over after the Olympics, I chatted with JF Menard, who became my mental... Trainer, and we click right away. And I remember he's like, "You go to the gym like five, six times a week to work on your muscle. Why don't you work on your brain?" I was like, "Yeah, that's not that's not stupid. Let's do that." And we we started working on my strength. Why was I doing that? What are my strength and what? How can we make them even better? And then we started chatting about a lot of stuff, and we connect so well. The moment i started working with him like my results were very good but i just became the most consistent mogul skier of all time like i had season without missing the podium and Mm -hmm. i had like winning streak of like 13 wins in a row which is uh, yeah that's the longest streak history in our sport casual yeah yeah so like jf kind of brought me to the like yeah next the next level and uh, we arrived like with so much like well prepared and know what I wanted to do and in Pyeongchang
0: okay so what was the difference in your mindset that allowed you to have that streak
1: I think is just knowing what I was going through and working on like uh, my breathing understanding when I'm nervous and um, having a routine okay it's not always the same but it's like the routine where i get into my zone and i'm ready to compete and so it's so many like little details that for me it was working and i guess celebrate every little win i mean not the actual world cup wins but like the little wins in my life or at the gym and made my chase or whatever to gold medal super fun yeah Mm. i think that's all those things mixed together made me like arriving to every event confident, and probably the skiers that had the most fun competing, at the most pressure at the same time, but like, taking it in a good way.
0: So, why do you love pressure? Why is it a drug for you? Because not many people would say that. So what about you? Or what you is it natural or did you learn to love the pressure?
1: When I was a kid, when I was playing baseball in the tournament, I was always better and Mm. when the coaches were putting me and we were tied and going into the last inning if they were putting me as a pitcher like I was always better because I I always I think want to be in the position of that person I think the guy in the World Cup that goes last is the guy that won the previous round Mm. I think it's it's just cool you decide like you know you're the last guy to go it's like
0: you make the calls
1: you make the call at the end I think it's just there's a lot of pressure going in that position but it's it's yeah. the position I always wanted to be in so I know it's weird it's like the pressure is if it's too much I don't like it obviously but I like my own pressure that I put on myself I mean it's not pressure like someone's gonna die or whatever and I mm-hmm. need to do that but it, you know you know, it's it's like I, I like being you know one of the favorites and delivering what it matters and right yeah it's i think this is cool like for our sport it's so much like there's so much off training and our competition run is 25 seconds like the olympics was 24 second. i mean you work so hard for 24 seconds it's not a lot of time yeah so it's a sport where you don't have a second chance like you miss your round you're out you you're not going to the next round so it's a lot of yeah performance on demand and that's what I love about my sport. And we have just one event. That one event and then those 24 seconds, if you mess up, you're out. Like, see you in four years, 24 seconds. So I, that's why I love my sport. That's why everyone can look super nervous at the top of a Mogul run because there's so much to play in in that moment. And that's that's why I love it.
0: Well I've never seen someone smile so much and get so excited talking about pressure. Yeah. <laughs> so I can see that's what makes you so great at what you do is you're like game on, challenge accepted, let's yeah. go do it.
1: Yeah. And yeah, and it's fun, you know, not fun, but like everyone I we're all human and at the Olympics or whatever big event, everyone is nervous. And right. that's, I love that. We're all nervous. We're, we're all in the same together. boat. But who's gonna like be able to handle it the better? It's probably gonna do the the winner.
0: Yeah, the best. It's easy. You're listening to The Lila Joe Show. So there was definitely a lot of pressure heading into your second Olympics because you were leading the World Cup circuit for the last four years, breaking every record to be broken, and one thing was missing, an Olympic gold. And in the media, they were saying, oh, you know, he doesn't want to be the guy that wins everything but the Olympics. Was this a narrative that was in your head going into the Games?
1: Yeah, oh, I heard the like my interviews were always about that. Just want to punch it. So, yeah, yeah. So, the yeah, I mean, I kind of create that, so that was okay because it's a good problem. Mm-hmm. If they say that, it's not fun. You don't want to be the guy that chokes, also. Yeah. That was the thing. The thing that was scaring me the most was to let down everyone that worked so hard to get me there. And mm-hmm. I know it's not the way I should see it. But I felt like that if I was like not delivering for my team, for the sponsors of my team then I, I carried the team on my shoulder. But yeah, there was just a lot of pressure and I I had the prior 14 event before PyeongChang, I won 13 out of them.
0: That's a lot.
1: Yeah, so it's like it felt like my goal medal to win and mine to lose. Okay. I was so sharp. but the way we arrived at the game I was peaking. it was like everything was perfect. everything came together. But it was just. A lot of question about, yeah, if you don't win, what will happen? Oh, will you react if you finish second again? It's like, okay, yeah. And I did my interviews and everything went well. Uh, we had a good strategy and with my teammates, uh, it was just, they were, it was just awesome.
0: I know that your strategy was very thought out and paced because your goal wasn't to win every round, yeah. but to win the last round exactly. and get your gold. So on the chairlift up to the last round, you smack your helmet and yell come on did you know that you were going to win in that moment
1: you're prepared i don't know how you got all that but I'm that's a ve- very very good Thank uh you. yeah yeah um yeah so the goal wasn't to win every round and that was start off with jf we tried to have the you know less pressure every round and for us, how it works, we're 20 guys in final. We all do one round, they take 12. Then we do another round, the 12 guy, and okay. then they cut it to six. And the six guys, we fight for medals. Okay. And uh, the goal was not to win everything. It's just, I know I can make it through every round. And trying to learn from every round. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of skier, I think, do that. Ski and take information to help them for the next round. And and I wasn't thinking about the next round. Like I wasn't like, myself in the future but the goal was just ski well take information and then don't try to win just qualify
0: because people try too hard don't they
1: but that event that was a problem everyone i felt everyone wanted to win every round so i was like i got this <laughs> yeah so yeah i finished fourth at the first round which is it was like no one was nervous everyone you knew make just gonna need to go to the next round and i did a few little tiny mistakes and Next round, I correct them, but I did another mistake lower down the course. I was second. It's like, perfect. We're going into the middle rounds. I'm in. I'm in a good position. I feel good. The more I was going, the less I was nervous because the more I was doing runs, the less people it is. The faster you go back through, the, your leg stays warm. And for me, the course was getting harder. I was getting better at handling it. And I remember when I went to the bottom, see all my coaches, CGF, like I knew I was ready. I was like, hit my head i was like with my helmet like let's go and when i went up in the, the the chairlift i felt like the the door was like open i was like okay it's my time like no now we got this and i was that was the run i was the least nervous the last one i, I felt so good oh, super calm yeah super super calm that the run it's kind of hard to remember in my head but I rem- the, the only thing i remember from that run like very clear is when I cross the line and that was what I take away from the Olympics and my favorite Olympic moments not going on the podium or whatever is when I cross the line and I knew I knew like I've done everything like there's no mistake on that run it's not my best run of my life but for those conditions I mean it was pretty much what I wanted to do
0: (laughs) what does it feel like to know that you're going to win
1: yeah I mean, because it was the Olympics. If it was a World Cup... Uh, no, we're talking present. Olympics. Olympics. Oh, I didn't know. Like, I
0: you was, didn't?
1: Well, I knew I... Yeah. Part of my head was like, you know, I think that's it. That was the run. But there's still another guy going after me. Oh, yeah. Because second. Second last. Yeah, Don't so, know. like, the guy can beat me. But I was like, what if, like, in my head, I did a mistake that I didn't feel? So I remember looking, like, still being a bit nervous. Like... The reaction was amazing when I crossed the line, but then I, I got a little nervous waiting for my score just a little bit and watching my replays. But, like, as I watched my replay, I was like, no mistake there, no mistake, no mistake. that looks good, it looks good, you know? And I was John like, <laughs> and then when my score came up, I was like, oh, it's gonna be hard to beat. And the Japanese guy, as soon as he landed, he did the one tiny split. Oh. And I was like, oh, there you go. And then I was at the same time, I was open because Mark, my teammate, was third. At that oh, moment, I was yeah. like, I like Daichi, I was finished third, the Japanese and... But I was like, ah, if he can make another one, maybe Mark's gonna be on the podium with me, is gonna be even more enjoyable. But, uh, no, it was just, like, yeah, a great ending. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, it's crazy that you achieved the dream that you set for yourself as a 10-year-old boy. And that poster you wrote, and I know that your brother sent you oh. a photo, After the event, tell me, tell everyone listening what that photo was and what was different about the poster. Um,
1: So, for the people that understand or know French, I wrote I will win, je vais gagner, but with uh, uh, like a mistake, I guess. uh, uh, Accent aigu. Yeah. And uh, normally, usually you would write it with the R at the end.
0: I'm going to win, right?
1: Je vais gagner, yeah, I'm going to win, or whatever. but I'm going to win. The the way I wrote it is just bad, but like okay. the the way my brother corrected is he like crossed like the je vais and he wrote tu ah and then the gagne was now good. I mean, it's like if it was meant like meant, meant to, be. to be like the correction was not je vais tu a. you know. You, you have like, one. You have one. Yeah, it's kind of meant yeah, to it's cool. It's yeah, that's the first thing like when I opened my phone, it was like, you know, you open one and everyone was texting me, but there was like just one that popped first one was like my brother just send me that picture that's pretty cool
0: what did you feel in that moment
1: uh yeah maybe i think i'm not you know usually very emotional but that for me that was like oh shit like my parents were there alive but my my brother has two little girls and uh yeah my sister was at university back then so they reserved the bar in the mountain in the mountain i grew up skiing and we they were like hundreds of people as uh, yeah, it was very cool. I knew they were there. Uh, everyone is kind of like yeah, uh, that's super uh, super special.
0: Feeling that support yeah. from afar. Yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot about the post Olympic blues, which is almost like feeling down after such a high of the games. And I can't imagine what it was like after winning the games. Could you tell me about your experience emotionally afterwards and what you went through in that yeah. time
1: after? I celebrate my gold medal. It was awesome. I think I I needed that.
0: So tell me about that first, because I've heard the parties are pretty crazy. Set the scene. How crazy?
1: Yeah, I mean, it? it was before COVID. So, I mean, life was back normal in the <laughs> back in the day, you know, uh, no, that was fun. We get invited to of places and we had a few drinks just here and few. there, just a few. And <laughs> celebrated with my teammates and friends from other country and went to watch a lot of events. Nice. Cheer uh, fellow Canadians or friends I met along the way that from other countries and other sports so that I was that was super fun uh, and then even when I got back home uh, you know I got presented on the ice at the Bell Center in Montreal Canadian we see it from here. yeah we could see it from here that's why I pointed and uh, mm-hmm. I did first pitch at the Blue Jays and went to like all the sports events and brought my brother and went with my mom in Italy and uh, yeah I did a lot of a lot of celebration and once I got back to work and training I thought not the parties but winning the Olympic was so big and the feeling was so good I was like I, I want to feel that again but if if I'm doing it I'm, I need to be even stronger and better and that was the summer I trained the most Okay, I changed my nutrition I think it's one, the fact that one morning I was like you Know with all the parties, I woke up, I was like, I can't see my abs in the mirror anymore, even oh, though no. I'm squeezing. I'm like, uh, it's time to work, but then <laughs> get that six yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then now I started to work a bit, uh, yeah, a bit more and try something different with my nutrition. And right. I s- felt stronger, lighter, quicker, and I enjoyed going to the gym, but I was like that was fun. I was like, I want to train more. I want to train more, more, more. I want to mm-hmm. get stronger. I want. I didn't want people to say, "I'll make one of the Olympics." And next year, uh, you know, it's probably you know, he achieved his, his dream. Maybe next year he's just gonna uh, show up and do his thing. He's still pretty good, but I showed up the next year and I wanted to do a statement like, "I'm back and I'm even better."
0: So, what did you feel like you had to prove to all these people?
1: Nothing. Nothing oh. just prove to me.
0: Okay, so prove- what were you proving to yourself?
1: I don't know. Uh, when you finish a game, a video game, and you pass every bosses, and you're like, it's done. Like, I mean, I've, I'm done playing that game. But like, yeah, yeah I want to do it again, but like even better and all to do it. And uh, yeah, not, not yeah, prove it to myself. And I was like, this is so much fun what I do, yeah. and uh, yeah, I want to be better at it, so I need to work harder.
0: Nice. Love the, <laughs> love the mindset. Honestly, it's so inspiring. You've said that there's really no secret to your longstanding success. You enjoy the process. You love your team. You're excited to show off every day. And over time, you've become more mature. How has maturity brought you an advantage over younger competitors?
1: Uh, like mature? Like mature. with
0: age and maybe like your perspective. Yeah. Um, why is that better than Young Mick, for example?
1: Well, Young Mick like to be on snow a lot and do a lot of volume because mm-hmm. for me i build my confidence by doing a lot a lot a lot and landing all my artist trick back to back to back and i was doing so much volume, which was good when i was young but now i know i can do them i don't need as much volume i pace myself a bit more right and that helped for my if i want to ski like longer like I mean there is less impact on my body even though i'm stronger than i used to be i yeah i just uh, do more quality than quantity right so that's that's, that's i think the main one of the main thing and i take more time to like stretch and eat, foam eat better foam roll <laughs> all of that do like all the things that back in the days i was just wanting to you know go in my hotel room and watch movies and play with my teammates yeah now i take a bit more time to take care of my body and I sleep earlier than I used to, and I have, yeah, it's just all of that, I think, yeah, maturity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. comes with the territory. Yeah, yeah. And I also want to talk about the point that you love the process. Do you think that you could ever be satisfied with just results?
1: Uh, no, no, because back in the days, the results were kind of my motivation, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of normal. I mean, I was like training hours, I wanted to see results. But on the paper sheet and on, you know, like the result, actual ski results. Now it's more like, where can I bring my sport to, and what's my full potential? Mm-hmm. And I feel I've been to reach it. And whereas in a sport where, I mean, your sport is kind of like that, but there's no perfection. No. I mean, I love it. There is never gonna be a perfect run, and that's why it's so awesome.
0: There's no limits.
1: Exactly. There's you can always be a bit faster. You can always jump bigger can always add a twist yeah two more twists and add another flip and yeah it'll look better absorb the bumps better it looks smoother it's just so many things and it's there's just so many aspects in my sport like speed and the technique and the jumping and mm-hmm. all of that like i mean you you can you don't just work on one thing and that's what i like yeah
0: yeah it's it's interesting because there's the power of having a rival but you can also be your own exactly. biggest competitor, because I know that you and Alex were the Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer freestyle yeah, scheme. Yeah, yeah, Different styles, but you'd meet in the finals. So how did you discover your own inner rival?
1: Yeah, well, I think inner rival when I compete on my best mm-hmm. is when I take information from my competitors, but I don't care at all about their score and okay. If I'm able to beat me, then I'm not very hard to beat. So it's okay. a lot. Okay, A yeah. lot is gonna be me against me. Right. That's and that's one thing that I need to you know continue to focus on because most of the results or whatever, not results, but events that didn't go so well for me, it was always me against me. I shoot myself, you know. A lot of the time I have it dialed down, but I think about something and I make a mistake where I never make a mistake you mm. know like uh, if I think about Lake Placid the last event I compete there I was winning the qualification final and I almost killed myself on the third bump because I was thinking about my jump you know I mean every bum counts even the third one that the judges have hard time to see I mean I just like I was like too much already thinking about the jump and yeah I my ski kind of cross and I arrive in the gym like all crooked and that was just a tension at the right place because yeah so I feel like it's a lot of me against me
0: hmm. I want to pick up on something you just said you said every bump counts and I think this could be a metaphor in a way of like obstacles that you overcome yeah. I'm wondering if there's a specific setback that you value the most almost as if it's a gold medal itself
1: yeah. Yeah, or yeah. Yeah. Like you said, like, yeah, i understand like like every bump counts yeah. and in and like my career. Yeah. Every whatever moment counts. Like, well, this past winter in the end of November last year, I broke two vertebrae in my back. Mm. Yeah. Not a fun crash. Mm. Crash on the ice, punch front, uh, the moguls like straight in my back. And it, I wasn't doing it or a trick. I was doing a back fall, which is pretty much routine for me. Okay it's a backflip 360. Yeah, I, can do I land I, I land a bit too far and punch front and got a mole on my back and yeah, went to uh, the hospital there. They tell me yeah, you have to fracture in your back. You have to go back home and I was in uh, in Finland and this is like pretty much my favorite event of the season, the first one also. Oh god. And and we we arrived from the covid year. I wasn't the best Physical shape of my life because I just train, train, train. You know, we couldn't ski, we can travel. So yeah, that was pretty, uh, pretty rough for me. Like to fly back home and miss the first three events in Europe. And uh, and yeah, watch it on TV back home. Uh, that was a bit rough because that was the first event I was missing in one hundred and nine starts in a row that I didn't miss for anything. Oh. So, uh, wow. Yeah, it was like ten years of not missing a race. To like missing one but yeah that was uh yeah that was not fun especially because my back was hurting and i bet but for me the it was the most painful was not able to compete or watching it on tv and but yeah it was kind of tough like the first morning i was not able to make myself a coffee when i was jet lagged because i was not able to lift my arm high enough to reach the coffee mug i was like oh my god um, am i gonna do be able like in Six weeks to be back on my skis, like the doctor said, and eight weeks to be back slowly in the moguls oh and then gosh. compete.
0: And you couldn't even make a coffee.
1: Yeah, it was too painful.
0: So what's your relationship like with self-doubt? In that moment you were wondering if you'd ever get back? Yeah. How do you deal in those moments when you're doubting yourself?
1: Yeah, you you I had a lot of like question in my head, like was the run I did before the last time I was gonna be able to ski as artist this? When I'm gonna come back is gonna be painful f- forever, or am I gonna be able to get back to the level that I was there? Because that was like the best level that I was, not ever gonna be, but like at that moment best I, I was I was that was my best. Time. So I did everything the doctors and everyone, physio, everyone that was taking care of me. I, like if they were telling me what to do, I was like doing it like perfect. Not one more rep. not one minute I was doing stick to the plan yeah I was like you you tell me I can go on the stationary bike I go but like the first thing I do in the morning like okay <laughs> I go and then I and then skiing didn't push so much but I felt okay with skiing it was a little painful when I was pushing but I felt okay to come back and there was an event in the states in Salt Lake City and woke up it's the hardest course in the world and mm-hmm. I was like I think I'm ready to compete there and we went there. I, I was, I think I was one of the events I was the most nervous, not fun, nervous. <laughs> Nothing not good kind. Yeah. Not that I wanted to prove to everyone that I was, I'm coming back. But I was like, I know I'm not 100% in the earth when I was skiing. But I knew it was like a good timing for me to at least get a start. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I won the event. I won the qualification. <laughs> I won the whole thing after. And That's I was awesome. like, holy oh, like, shit like i can't like you it's can crazy. do it. i can do it i'm not 100 percent. i can win and the next day in duel i was so so uh, i to say that like i was a racket. Uh yeah in the morning i was like an old man like i was like ooh, like my legs my back like i'm healed but like not like all the, like the scar tissue the scar tissue or yeah. like, whatever my fracture is still like in pain, but the doctor was like, it's normal, it's okay, it's not like, your back is not broken, it's just scar tissue that is, you know, hurting you, Yeah. and then I went to do the duo the next day, did like a super long warm-up, and I was like, every run, I was like, alright, it's okay, if, uh, you know, you're tired, and if you don't win that one, it's all good, won yesterday, it's awesome, and I kept winning every run, and I won the event again, and I was like, was that
0: a surprise?
1: Yes and no, Okay. no, because every time I'm in the Stargate, I Always believe I can do it. Believe yes. in myself. But there's always like the angel and the demon in my head. Yeah. There's always one that's like, yeah, you're here. You can win. You're Go with that win. one. Go with yeah, the angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the best approach
0: yeah. for anyone listening. Stick to the angel. Ignore yeah. the demon. I think it's so much better. One thing that you're very proud of is your ability to bounce back, and you bounce back from injury. But if you look at your stats, you'll never see two second places in a row. Why not? <laughs>
1: because I have a very hard head. Yeah, I don't know, it's just, uh, it's not to, again, to prove to anyone like, but it's just, uh, I have a bad event. I learn, I feel we learn more when we don't win. I mean, I try to learn from my wins, but when you have like an event that doesn't go as well, I feel I sit down a bit more, chat with my coach, what didn't go as well, and I am very good at erasing what happened, and then, okay, we need to be better at this and this and Information. this. And then I get even more motivated yeah. to win and yeah, it's like a Michael Jordan yeah. mentality of like, if I see someone else win, it motivates me. Like I don't want him to be there for so long. It's, you know. My time. My, yeah. yeah, I'll be back next week. Like, yeah, enjoy yeah. it for now. And I love <laughs> those, pe- I love those people, but it's just in my head, I'm like that. I'm like, yeah, this is my spot. you're hungry for it I'm hungry exactly and then in a good way and like I love my competitors they're my good friends like the guys are top three in the world right now I went to stay with them at their house Uh, My Graham is the guy who finished second at the Olympics he won the Crystal Globe this year and yeah yeah, spent some time surfing at his place in Australia oh nice yeah I know it's cool but you know when we compete we compete and there's like no friends but as soon as we're done doing a run then I enjoy having a beer with him and chatting about whatever. Life. That's what makes it fun too. Exactly.
0: It's more than just competition. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So we're we're coming up to Beijing. Yeah. Beijing is soon. What poster would be stuck on your ceiling right now if you had one? <laughs> like what's motivating you and getting you out of bed right now?
1: I think we know the answer. Let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: this is another thing the media is probably going to talk about, yeah. is the record of having two Olympic medals, Olympic yeah. gold medals. What do you feel when I say this?
1: I think some people, or media, they think I need that because Doe has one, too, and I don't have two. And then if I don't do it, two, I don't have all the records and I don't care. I mean, I'm an Olympic champion. I'll be an Olympic champion for the rest of my life, so... I'm going there. It's going to be the most fun Olympics one. Because it's the first one. Then the second one. A lot of pressure. Then this one. I already have two medals. I know how to enjoy all uh, the pressure. I want to win. Yes. Is that my priority? No. I just want to ski at my best. And, That's your priority. And have fun. And have fun. But enjoy the process of skiing the Olympics. Okay. A bit more. Because I know when I ski and I have fun, I'm much better. I want to win. Yes. But... I'll, I know I'll have less pressure and that that will play to my advantage.
0: Mm-hmm. And going to two Olympics beforehand is an advantage because you're going yeah, into yeah. your third. For someone who may be going to their first Olympics, yeah. do you have any advice about how to... or something you would do differently or just to make the experience enjoyable?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think the most important thing is to enjoy it and. Like I said, my first Olympic, I felt like it was at Walt Disney and it's okay to feel like that and enjoy it and go see the stuff that you want to see. But at the same time, the Olympics are different and they're always going to be different than any other event you've done. But do what you do at other events and what makes you good and what makes you feel good. Because the job at the Olympic is the same as any competition you're doing. So mm-hmm. that's... So what I'm saying is like enjoy it, and stay stay. You don't try to do more because it's the Olympic no? mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what I. A lot of people I think make mistake is the Olympic time to shine. I gotta push more or do this different or look this way or yeah, just do you.
0: Do you? Yeah, do you? Thanks for that advice. Yeah. That's great advice. So one question before the cooldown. You were labelled the goat, greatest of all time, by age twenty five, which is pretty young. But you say that you hope that when people talk about you they say he was a great skier, but he's an even greater person. So how do you hope to be greater as a person?
1: Well, I, I don't want like my legacy of skiing being only the guy like won every event and is a guy yeah, he had the good results. Yeah, I think it's a better compliment when people say he's a good human being, like Yes, he wins, but he's he's the nicest guy at the same time. And yeah. for me, I love giving back. And I see myself in the kids when they come to see me in any, whatever country I'm in at. And they have the same goggles as me or whatever, mm-hmm. same equipment. And, and yeah, I always uh, give back a bit more to them or I go in the chair. And I think that's important and for me. The people that have done that had such a big impact when i was a kid they made like my day my year mm. just to ride the chair with me and i give i think i give back a lot to yes charities and stuff like that but also just to the kids and uh, i think they know like also my teammates or even competitors that i think i'm the first one to share what i do and my little some of the skills how do i do them and, it's kind of cool when they come back and they say man you helped me a lot even if the guy is top 10 skier in the world or he's just a little kid i think it's cool
0: Mm, it's being generous yeah
1: being generous i like people that are generous i think i'm very generous with not only the people that i love but with people in general
0: yeah and and future champions that you're paving the way for too
1: yeah yeah like i said jean Luc, alex they paved the way for me so gotta pave a way for For more goats in the future
0: (laughs) okay we're gonna cool down that our workout is done how do you feel
1: i feel very good you're gonna
0: be raque tomorrow um
1: no actually hopefully not
0: um okay so you're pretty obsessed with skiing i think that's safe to say how do you switch off and focus on mick the human outside of mick the skier
1: how do i switch off i think friends yeah i have a very tight group of friends that were all oh, friends since like whatever first year in high school and oh, we yeah. stayed all together and what I like is yes you know they follow my skiing career and they ask questions because they're curious but I come back from an event they're like Hey, congrats I was there I would watch on TV this is two minutes and then it's like then I have to catch up on whatever stuff happened what you happened, missed out on what I missed out okay. on and that's I think they help me you know keep a good balance and when I'm with them it's never about make Kingsbury the skier it's about I feel like the human being and And that's who you are yeah exactly more than just the title and the
0: records and everything you seem to do a lot of writing you write checklists you plan you draw the courses before you ski do you do any journaling
1: not really but it will be like around my courses that i draw for competition but like the the cues i have are depends how i feel you know it's a very yeah it's kind of like a journal of like yeah it's very specific it's it's specific and it's different like you can look like a weekend where i was like super confident you can almost see it in my writing and the weekend i'm more nervous you can see i there's not more details but they're more like things are on the score it's like you like harry potter yeah yeah i feel like my book is like the half blood prince book you know (laughs) uh don't put 12 whatever yeah. It's always like 13 it's like yeah, yeah. It's cool. oh it's, it's like cool. a recipe
0: almost too yeah yeah yeah. it's cool i love that i yeah. might try it because i want to get into journaling yeah but maybe i'll draw the ice rink
1: yeah draw the ice rink and when you're like whatever you're doing like a spin there or like whatever you're on one leg very near the wall and then what do you think at that moment That's and so what's the for me it's those kind of thing and sometime i like take another page and i just write like Stuff down that helps me or whatever is gonna make me feel good. Do Sometimes like the... I listen to a song and there's just a part of the song that's like motivating me. So I just write it down like next to like whatever the course. It's just that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. I, it
0: must be good to look back on that too. Like when you're older you could show your kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Wow, okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try <laughs> that. How do you define success?
1: I think success is uh, I know it's cliche, but it's like I've been working hard and get reward and, yeah, success. It's not only like, I think, gold medal and winning, winning, winning. It's like success is like being able to beat yourself week in, week out, day in, day out. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel sometimes I have a successful gym session because I squatted my PB and that's a success. Yeah,
0: and small wins.
1: Small wins and I'm in my car and I'm, I'm stoked. I'm happy and then I play golf and I it, whatever best shot of my life I'm like that's a little success that's yeah. cool so I think those little things are cooler than whatever success yes winning a gold medal in any sport is success but I mean you've done a lot of successful stuff to get there yeah and those little things made you want that one so right. that's not only success It's not the only thing that whatever everyone's watching on TV it's all the little things you've done like,
0: every bump counts
1: exactly That's the
0: quote from this. I'm telling you, I'm gonna get a ring with the quote after
1: (laughs) (laughs) every (laughs) bumps (laughs) count.
0: Yeah, favorite quote
1: I think impossible is nothing.
0: That's a good one, I like that a lot. And last question What is your number one book recommendation?
1: Number one book recommendation. I mean, I'm gonna be a bit biased, but uh. If you want to learn a bit more about sports, uh, my uh, mental trainer wrote a book, it's called uh, L'Olympian Bureau, or in English I'm not sure exactly what is it is. Train like an Olympian. Train like I an Olympian. I have it in my room. Sweet. Yeah, I'd say that because uh, I think he mentioned me one once or twice in there, so I think it's good for everyone, even if you're not an athlete.
0: These recommendations will go to good use because I have a tradition on my podcast where I give my guest the book that was recommended by my past guest. So you have one from Hello. the Olympic ice dance champion in 1984. Her name's Jane Torval, and so I interviewed her last. And this is her book. It's Hi. called Jonathan Livingston Seagull. But this is the crazy thing, because I was reading the back. And it says, let me just find it. It's a story for someone who yearns to fly, and you love to fly yeah you would always find the jumps when you were younger that's awesome
1: maybe that's uh, yeah
0: and then this is um some chocolate from british columbia just because i think everyone needs chocolate in yeah, their life that's
1: awesome thank you but so much Mick, that's awesome
0: thank you for being on the show it was so nice getting to know you a little more and i mean i can imagine everyone listening is just so inspired printing out something to stick on their ceiling Sweet. <laughs> and yeah thank you for being here
1: yeah thank you thanks for having me
0: I'm Lila, and you've been listening to The Lila Joe Show. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. If you haven't yet, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next time for another episode. Thanks for listening.